0: Disperse into nothingness. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. This is Mark Paradis, and this is The Path to the Divine Self, and it's episode six, where the topic is the truth about space clearing. Now, those of you who are Conscious about energy and know a bit more about this, will know that when I talk about space clearing, I'm not talking about throwing things out uh, and tidying up, that's decluttering. Space clearing is a form of energy work which we do on spaces. And um, so today, Today's podcast episode is really going to be about talking about um, what space clearing is, uh, that it's a, it's a form of energy work. So how does energy work work effectively? Um, talk about how energy work fits within the creation of sacred spaces and how sacred spaces can help us evolve and, and reach that, that divine realm and that divine place. We're also going to be talking about the use of sound as an instrument and the use of incense as an instrument in space clearing practice. But before that, I'd like to just play a little excerpt of a talk that I gave at Soho House in Barcelona on the art of sacred spaces, where I talk about uh, space clearing for a few minutes. So that'll just kind of give you an overview to get us started. So check it out. So, for instance, like if we look at energy, so how would we work in a space if we're looking at, at energy? Well, Okay, so you might not live on an energy power spot. In fact, it's probably better that you don't. Because if you did, you'd probably be overwhelmed. I have a friend who's near a power spot, and he's always freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> he's great, but he's always freaking out. And so um, it's, it's good to know where the energy spot near you is, but better not to live at one, right? Um, that way you could go and meditate there very often, and you can kind of like... I say the word soak up the energy, but it's not really soak up, but let's just use that for now. Soak up the energy from the power spot and bring it home, and kind of like infuse that energy into your space. So when we talk about energy in sacred spaces, very often people talk about um, uh, space clearing, right? I'm sure most people here have heard about space clearing, yeah? You kind of imagine someone coming in with sage and like maybe chanting something, and, and, it's, and I think it, space clearing is great. I think. I actually personally think something else is going on. I don't think that we're clearing anything. I think what we're doing is that we're recognizing that the energetic structures and patterns of the space and energetic structures and patterns of the person need something. And so how do we activate that, right? So for me, in an energetic processing for a space, all I'm doing is you know, using my capabilities to ask, okay, please, can you assess what's needed here and, you know, make it available. And, and I'm not asking them to send anything. I'm asking to just kind of like, I'm asking for it to be kind of like radiate it, if that makes sense. So if a shaman is the bridge between the two, like we some, a couple of people have said, the shaman is able to access these other dimensions. So let's say I was to do it for Soho House, right? Which I wouldn't be able to do without the permission of the space. But it's like, let's say I was to, I would sit here with the person who's in charge and I would say, okay, um, tell me what's going on, what do you think, blah, 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 okay? And then I would, I would get myself to that place where I can connect to the divine realm. And I would say, okay, we're here, we have permission can you assess what's needed via my being and send my being what's needed and essentially my space will kind of act as a channel. It will awaken the capabilities that's needed for Soho House and then the building will resonate with me as a result of that, yeah? Because we're all connected and we're creating this connection. So I know this is all sounding really like Star Trek and sci-fi and a bit weird, but this is what... Thank you. And, and, and this, is, this is the work. This is at least my version of this work. There's different versions out there, right? So if you're going to do something with energy in your home, you know, we know we can grab sage, you can grab candles, you can do all that stuff, and that's great. It's great to have that intention. I think uh, uh, the best thing to do, which we often forget, is just sitting with your space, you know, sitting with your space, like bring yourself to a place where, you know, you are at your most energetically vibrant and radiant and share that energy with your space, intending to like walk around in this space, Hold on. Um, walk around in this space, you know, bringing your intention to every single wall, piece of furniture, cat, dog, you know, whatever just just and just do that and a good way to do that i like to 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 use is to be thankful be grateful because gratitude is the highest frequency another way is to have sex right because (laughs) and this isn't a joke i'm serious sex is an orgasm is the highest energetic frequency we can achieve on earth yeah so have sex have your orgasm, and then walk around your space. I'm serious. <laughs> I'm serious. And if there's no one around, <coughs> masturbate and walk and, and walk around and do it. I promise, I promise. You'll see you won't regret it. And, 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 and when you have that energy and like you walk and you walk around and just bring that awareness to the space and connect and and i'm telling you like what happens is that the molecular structure of the space will start to shift i mean different people have different capabilities so i'm not going to make it that simple right there's a reason why i do the job that i do and not everyone does it because like I've worked hard and I've developed capabilities and it's my path, but everyone can do it to some extent, right? And if you feel like you want to go further, you can call someone to do it for you and with you. But the more you do it, the more you develop your capabilities. And some of you might feel called, hey, maybe this is something I should be doing for other people too. You know, the more you do it for yourself at home, the more you the more you can, you can get to that. All right. So that was just a bit of an introduction on space clearing. And for those of you who want to go deeper, there is a lot more that we could talk about, which is what we're going to get to now. So essentially, like I said earlier, the art of space clearing is actually a form of energy work. So as I said in that recording that we just heard, I generally don't call it space clearing because I pretty much don't think that we're clearing anything at all. What I think we're doing is that we're intensifying and amplifying the energetic frequency of a space. And in doing that, we're uh, affecting the space in a way that it can affect us as well. And so that's just a form of energy work. It's a form of shamanism that happens in spaces in the same way that a shamanic healing could happen with a person, uh, a shaman, a teacher, a healer. It happens through a space as well. And so... Just taking a bit of an overview about what energy work is as a whole. Well, the whole idea of energy is based on the idea that we are energy, right? Quantum physicists have demonstrated the fact that we are energy. If you look at our composition in a microscope, we'll see that we are essentially an oscillating geometrically arranged system, which is composed of cells, which which are composed of molecules, which is composed of atoms. And when we look at these atoms, we see that essentially they're just kind of empty space, And that we realize that we are mainly energy. And so the fact that we are energy means that we are essentially movement. We are constantly moving. Um, We are not static. So that it's basically the idea of, of energy work and energy healing is that You know, as we're not static and we're constantly in movement, one energetic structure like our being, for instance, when it comes into contact with another energetic structure, um, like a shaman or a space or a crystal or whatever, its energy structure will adapt to become more like the one of the shaman crystal or other energetic structure, the sacred space or whatever it is. And that's because when something is oscillating in that way, it will begin to oscillate like something that it connects to. So, essentially, the more we spend time connecting to that other organism, the more we develop further and the more that development becomes permanent. And so that's why, for instance, the more somebody would go spend time uh you know in the Himalayas meditating or at a monastery or with some you know Tibetan lamas or Rinpoches, the more time they spend doing that, the more time they spend developing their abilities and allowing themselves to um really, really evolve energetically. So actually, as we are composed of energy, we also have energetic patterns, structures, functions, and these are best used Uh, and most useful and most developed when they are attuned to the energy of the divine realm. And so this whole podcast is about us connecting to our divine being through our connection to the divine realm. And so, as I've mentioned before in previous episodes, uh, but I'll just refresh it a bit now, is that, This whole work is based on the idea that there is a divine realm far, far away, which is the source, which is the universe, which is some people call God, which is this unified body of field of white light that everything is created in. And a shaman will have the ability to connect to that space. Uh, and when he does so, he can bring healing to whoever he connects to, to a space, to a person or to whichever. So what we're essentially looking for when we talk about energetic development is for our energetic structures to become more and more attuned to the energetic structures that are available in the divine realm, in that uh, unified field of white light. And so essentially, that's what brings on transformation, because the more our abilities are developed, the more we are connected to that field, which is essentially the field of creation, the more we're able to affect change in our lives, because everything around us is energy as well. And so as our energetic capabilities develop, we're able to tune into the energetic frequency behind specific uh, situations, uh, uh, emotional problems, blocks, health problems, uh, even the physicality of things. And so that's how transformation happens. And essentially, transformation comes from awareness, consciousness, and intensification. So for instance, just, just transformation will come from us bringing our awareness and our consciousness to a specific issue, uh, item, thing, whatever it is, whilst intensifying the energetic frequency, whilst having access to higher energetic capabilities. So for something to to transform, it needs those two elements. So now that also means that our homes are also energetic systems, which are also, uh, also composed of energetic structures and functions as well. And that means that when we connect to them, we're able to affect their energetic capabilities as well. And that's what's really important to think about when we talk about energy work for spaces is the fact that essentially, you know, over the years that we spend in a home, any argument that happens, any problem that happens, any bad word that we say or anything does kind of affect the cellular structure of the home. Because the home, like I said, is made of energy and it's made of water. And the more things happen within the home, the more it'll affect that structure. So we can reverse that. We can reprogram that in a way by using a different kind of intention and in a different kind of energetic frequency as well. So it's really important to kind of think think about that. And that kind of explains why we feel better in certain spaces rather than others. You know, why sometimes we feel better, for instance, I don't know, in a museum than we would at a truck stop on the side of the road. You know, we might not feel so great in a cemetery, not because it's about death, but maybe because of all the grieving that happened there. And that grieving... Uh, over the years has left its mark has left its kind of imprint in the space in 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 the the land or in the stones or whatever is there and then that radiates and that's something that we we can feel especially if sensitive so if you're sensitive you'll probably notice that some spaces tire you out some spaces energize you and that's great you know a lot of people say to me oh I get so overwhelmed and I wish I didn't get so overwhelmed and I said well actually that that's your biggest tool because when you're overly sensitive and you're feeling these energy frequencies around you everywhere, well that gives you the opportunity because you're able to perceive them. You're able to then begin to shift them. So it's a tremendous capability that we have. The whole concept of affecting the energetic frequency of spaces is also very present in feng shui. Feng shui, which is, of course, the most popular practice of creating transformative spaces, which came from China and has existed for approximately 4,000 years. You know, the, the, whole, the whole premise of feng shui is based on the qi. And the qi is about, you know, the energy flow, uh, a harmonious energy flow just kind of flowing through the space, which requires for the yin energy, female, and the yang energy, male, to be in harmony. And uh, now, so that's kind of the most popular application that we have of, of energy between spaces or within spaces. But the reality is that the whole concept of using energy in spaces has existed for much, much longer than Feng Shui 4,000 years ago. Um, You know, it's existed in the temples of ancient civilization and the construction of temples of ancient civilizations. So when I talk about temples of ancient civilizations, I talk about places like the pyramids of Egypt, the pyramids of the Yucatan, the temples of Greece, and many, many, many more that exist around the earth. Even cathedrals and churches like the Cathedral of Chartres in France, all these places are sacred sites which very much have energetic frequency as part of their base principles. And so how, so how do we know that energetic uh, spatial energy frequency is at the base of their principles? Well, if you measure using a magnometer, you'll find that each and every one of these sacred sites is built at the foot of a very strong energy portal, an energy power spot. And essentially an energy power spot is created because... Our Earth has an energy, an electromagnetic energy field, which is composed of lines which emerge from the northern magnetic pole and the southern magnetic pole, and they crisscross across the face of the Earth. And these lines are called telluric lines, ley lines, serpent lines, whatever it is we want to call them. And when these lines cross and meet, they create these power spots, which are, which are spaces of very intense energetic frequency and high energy power. And so these have been proven, not only by the fact that we can measure them with magnometers and we can measure them with dowsing rods, but these have been proven by NASA. NASA issued an article back in 2012, with which I really recommend you reading, where they talk about how you know, the Earth is peppered with these energy portals, which connect us to the... Ener- to, they connect the electromagnetic field of the Earth to the electromagnetic field of the Sun, which is 93 billion miles away. And that's just crazy. That's just really, really really kind of crazy information. And so the fact that that exists and that has been proven by by science, by NASA, means that there is some real substance behind this, that these temples were created there for a reason. And they were created there for a reason because, like I said, when the energy frequency is more developed, it's more attuned with the energy of the divine realm, of the field of unified white light. And the energy of the divine realm is the energy of creation. It's the energy that's the, the strongest healing and transformative energy in the world. And the more time we spend there, the more we develop our capabilities and our abilities to transform as well. And so these temples were created as places where people would go and and spend time there and develop these abilities and then go back to their daily daily life and be able to uh, transform their life and the lives of others as well. So what that means essentially is that in the contrary to the idea of simple space clearing, which is I come in and I'm just I'm just going to clear whatever, you know, junk is in the space. um, It's more about Creating an energetic field which is more attuned to the energy of source, and of course, to do that you need to have very developed abilities. But developing the abilities comes from either working with a shaman, uh, working with Tibetan lamas, rinpoches, and it can also come from your own practice, as long as it's really, as long as you're really dedicated, as long as you're really committed, and as long as it's it's uh, something that you do with passion and regularly, and that you really, really sustain it for your own personal growth. So. What makes energy, spatial energy work so important is the fact that you, know, you could go out and go to a retreat and you can find peace and you can find spaciousness and you can find harmony. But when you come home, uh, it's very easy to lose that connection. It's really easy to feel divided from that and to revert back to old behaviors and to old frequencies. And so that's why attuning your space to more developed energetic frequencies is a great way to consistently continue your developments, continue supporting your development, even when we're not in the retreat, and just kind of creating a charging pod for ourselves, like a charging pod for a phone or for batteries, just creating a space that continues to really nurture the development of that energetic field. So how does all of this compare to the idea of actually clearing the space? So essentially, clearing, well, It's not that we're necessarily clearing something. It's that we're developing a space which is so developed that things, when they come near it or when they come in contact with it, will begin to transform or to shape. So therefore, if a spirit was around in the space or if a spirit was to get close to the space, their frequency patterns and energy structures would transform as a result of the radiance of a more energetically developed space and then they would dissolve, transform or go away. That's essentially how the clearing works, rather than uh, the idea that this energy is actually something we can shoo away, you know, like we think about when we're we're thinking about using sage or incense. It's not quite like that, as far as I'm concerned, as far as my practice. It's more about really developing an energy field, which isn't about protecting anything. It's about radiating something, and it radiates it in such a powerful and strong way that, that the energy structure that comes near it will be transformed as a result. Now, in terms of all this sounding a little bit woo-woo and unfounded and like, is any of this really real? And, and because of the fact that it's energy, how do we ever even really prove it? But there, there are some scientific studies that have been done which have proven certain things. So, for instance, some studies have been done at the temples of Luxor and Aswan in Egypt where they measured the energy frequency of the spaces using magnometers and they found that um, after a group of people were instructed to walk through the space in silent meditation, the energetic frequency of this space multiplied approximately six times. Which is quite powerful. You know, just and that's just using intention. That's just using our own uh, awareness and intention in a space and our own energetic capabilities. You know, another example of this, which is scientifically proven, is the Para Institute at Princeton University. They use a machine called the random number generator to measure energy frequencies around the Earth. And what they did is that they placed a bunch of these machines around the earth and they're constantly um, generating numbers which essentially show the energy. Intention and energy fluctuations around the world, and so, for instance, what they noticed over the years as they look back is that when there's a big crisis, for instance, such as you know nine eleven in the U.S., uh, they'll find that the random number generators closer to New York went completely out of whack during this time. And that's because the intention in those areas was really high because everyone's sending compassion and love to victims and everyone's sending a lot of intention to that area. So it's fascinating stuff. It's so even you know when the Nepal earthquake happened, same thing. The, the random number generators, which were around the Nepal area, um, their their patterns of emitting numbers went completely different and out of order than they would normally do, and that's because. The uh, intention and the energetic frequency, which was focused to that area, has affected these random number generators. So it's fascinating stuff. I, I really recommend looking into the uh, Pear Institute and their work because it's really, really fascinating stuff when we start to see that all this kind of weird woo woo stuff can actually be proven scientifically. So basically, what we've defined until now uh, or by now is that the number one thing that we need to think about when we want to do spatial energy work or space clearing is intention. Intention and then energetic capabilities. So before intention, actually, yeah, developing our energetic capabilities, having the abilities to really kind of support development and transformation through our intention, and then focusing our intention where it needs to be, i.e. on the space. So the next thing I want to talk about is using sound and using incense as tools, So in terms of sound, sound has been used and is being used uh, in various cultures as a healing tool. Um, And that's because, you know, in so many cultures, uh, sound is known for being at the root of creation. You know, for instance, in Christianity, they say, you know, uh, God said, "Let there be light," and and then there was light, and that was the creation of of the earth or of the universe, and so it all started from the vibration of God's voice. In, in Hinduism, they talk about Vishnu awakening as as the darkness had ended, the sound of the Om, you know, and so the Egyptians talk about you know the the universe having been sung into creation, you know, um, so. In pretty much every practice and every kind of uh, faith, every religion or every philosophy, we talk about sound, you know, being a really, really instrumental tool for creation and at the root of the creation of humanity and of the universe and of mankind. Of course, in more modern day, you know, what we found is one of the most popular stories, which I'm sure you'll have probably heard about, is that of Masuro Emoto, the Japanese scientist who identified that essentially energetic frequencies do affect water. And he identified that by doing many tests in which, for instance, you know, people were instructed to say kind words to certain bowls of rice, but nasty words to other bowls of rice, and nothing at all, completely ignoring other bowls of rice. He did the tests with bowls of rice and also just with water and water crystals. And what he found is that the structures, the energetic structures, completely changed from one to the other so for instance when kind words were being voiced the water crystals that were frozen in studies were much more harmonious and balanced and symmetrical and when nastier or harsher words or harsher vibrations were exposed to water uh, the water structures would be a lot more harsh a lot more out of balance a lot more a lot more asymmetrical and more broken in their shape And what was interesting is that the ones that were even more out of shape and out of balance and out of harmony were the ones that were completely ignored rather than the ones that were spoken to negatively. So it's really interesting that we see that. And so what makes that so interesting for what we're talking about today is that essentially our homes are water. You know, if our homes didn't contain any water, they would essentially just be a pile of dust. You know, the earth is half composed of water, we are three-quarters composed of water approximately, and our homes are also composed of water. And that means that the same way that these water crystals get affected by kind or harsh words or different frequencies or different sound frequencies, our homes will as well. One of the quotes by Emoto that I love is where he says, Half of the earth is water, our body is three-quarters water. Water represents the interface between the fourth dimension in which we live and the fifth dimension sphere of our soul. I absolutely love that. I think that's really, really kind of instrumental information. And there are many more scientific studies that were done that showed that. So, for instance, in 2011, a professor called Anthony Holland from the music department at Skidmore University made a discovery that completely shocked the science department when he found that the sound could even cure cancer. He showed that on camera that ovarian cancer and leukemia cancer could be cured when they were exposed to to certain sound frequencies. That also kind of explains why ultrasound therapy became so powerful and and so important when it was created and why it's still commonly used today. So over the years, you know, sound has been used for spiritual growth, spiritual healing. You know, in Buddhism and Hinduism, we talk about chanting as a way of supporting our personal growth. We use different kinds of sound healing as well, using different kinds of instruments like Tibetan bowls, tuning forks, crystal bowls, gongs are used. You know, so various kind of instruments are used in that way as well. And they've been known Similarly to the study of of Masuromoto to change the molecular and cellular structure of our beings and therefore of our spaces as well. And so, you know, one person that I think is doing amazing things in this practice is an artist called Jonathan Goldman, who for about 30 years now, he's been really kind of a pioneer in this field. He even won a Grammy Award for creating work around chakra sounds, chakra music, music for the soul. And so it's something that I really uh, recommend looking into when uh, when talking about uh, affecting the energetic frequency of our beings and of our spaces and so what we see here is that essentially using sound instruments is uh, integrated in our practice of sacred uh, space healing or a space whispering or spatial energy energy frequency work is instrumental and can be really fantastic so for instance grabbing a uh, Tibetan meditation bowl or gong or a flute an Indian flute or whatever instrument is really sacred It is a great way to do it as well but one great thing to do as well is simply using the power of our voice through chanting through breath work through sound work but you know Caesar technology is something I talked about previously in the pineal gland episode, uh, episode 2. But sacer technology was used by the Maya for energetic activation, and it was essentially the idea that rather than laser, which the L symbolizes uh, light, you know, sacer, the S symbolizes sound. And it was essentially how sound could travel through our beings and around us to essentially affect molecular structures and energetic structures as well. And so the sound of our voice is a fantastic way of doing that as well. But what we need to really think about is that the sounds need to be coming from a place of connection to the divine, a place of deep energetic uh, connection. And so the best way to do it is to really first connect in meditation to a place that we know is powerful, that we know is, um, is high frequency, and then from there emit some sounds that come out spontaneously throughout the space. You know, light language, for instance, is a great example of that. And the more we develop energetically, the more uh, easily these sounds emerge and the more powerful they become and they can begin to affect the space around us. So the next thing I wanted to talk about is incense. So a lot of people talk about using sage to clear a space, using incense, frankincense. Now, there is a lot of science behind this as well. Historically, incense and sage were always used as a way of clearing, clearing a person's energetic field and clearing a spatial energy field as well. So essentially, incense has existed pretty much since fire has existed. It was essentially about burning twigs and weeds, and you know, it was about seeing how burning certain types of leaves and twigs and 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 um and weeds would uh, would affect our emotional receptors in different ways, and therefore affect our moods and our emotions as a result. But in ancient civilizations, the use of incense was essentially used as a way of communicating with the divine. What we would do is that we would infuse the leaves with our intention, with our prayers, with our questions, and as we would burn them, we would watch these intentions and prayers and questions be carried up to the divine where we would say, well, we would expect them to be answered by God or by the divine or the divine realm or whatever that is. So that is how incense began to be used ceremoniously. That's how it was traditionally used. Now, in terms of scientific research, your researchers from John Hopkins University and from the Hebrew University in Jerusalem found that when they burned frankincense, the burning of frankincense would activate ion channels in the brain. Help to alleviate anxiety, depression, and essentially allow us to heal and feel a lot better. And when frankincense was um, tested on mice, it was found that it had similar effects as antidepressants. So it's really, really quite a powerful element. And so we'll find that frankincense has been used for a long time in churches and uh, cathedrals and different kinds of ceremonies of different cultures. So the bottom line is, should we be looking at using incense and sage when clearing a space energetically? Yes, absolutely we should. But we have to know that it's essentially just another tool. That the most important thing is our energy, our intention, and really our own development. The more powerful we are, the more we've developed our energetic capabilities, the more we're going to be able to affect the energy of a space. You know, my teacher, Kenneth Ray Stubbs, who's a shaman based in in Arizona, you know, he says that essentially, sometimes just by thinking about a space, he begins to alter the energetic frequency of that space. And that's the thing. When you become really, really, really powerful, that's all you really need is just your own intention, your own awareness, and you really don't need to, to have that many tools or to spend too much time. And so the value really is in developing our own energetic capabilities and developing our own power and strength and focusing and, Harnessing our awareness towards the intention that we have. In this case, or in the case of space clearing, the physical space that we want to be affecting. So, this has been a lot of information. We've talked about a lot of things. You know, we started off with a summary about sacred space healing, which, you know, like I said, it's different than traditional energy clearing, and it's different from what we talk about when we just say space clearing, but it's actually about how do we create a field of energy which is radiating the energy and the light of the divine realm. We talked about how to use sound and use the use of incense as well, can participate in helping to create that sacred space. But what I'd like to do next is walk you through a practice which you could do to to really begin to affect the energetic frequency of your space or of other people's spaces as well. But what's important to know is that to to be able to do a space clearing or to affect the energetic frequency of another person's space, you need to be in connection with the person as well. We can't just walk into a space and say, okay, I'm going to clear this space. No, we need to sit with the person, we need to have the person's consent, we need to have the space's consent, and we need to walk through the process with the person as well. So it's not just about ourselves doing this work, walking into a space and saying, okay, I'm just going to clear the space now. It's more about the work that we would do with a specific person. The other thing that we need to really be aware of as well is that, you know, we can only go as far as our energetic capabilities go. So again, I cannot state this enough that we just really need to make sure that our capabilities are highly developed as well. What we can do, however, is whenever we do go into space, whether it's a public space or a private space or or whether the person is there or not, the person who owns the space, is just feel what we feel in the space and notice what emotions and sensations come up and we can process those emotions and sensations and allow ourselves to really begin to kind of bring light and bring healing and transformation to it. That would be limited to only what we're able to perceive in our own being without being in connection with the, the person Who's in charge or who owns the space, and without having permission from the space. But yes, a certain type of healing and transformation does take place in that way. I'd like to invite you now to uh, move on to the next episode, which is essentially where I walk you through the practice of the energetic space clearing ritual that you can apply and you can begin to apply right now. And if this is a topic that you're interested in, do check out my website because there's a lot more there. And there's also a link for you to check out this online course which I offer, which is all about how to create spaces in ways that they can affect our energetic development and our personal growth and and essentially allow us to create better daily lives for ourselves on a day-to-day basis, but also really kind of creating spaces that are more attuned to the energy frequencies of source in the same way that temples were or the spaces of ancient civilizations were as well. So I really hope that you enjoy this practice. I do hope that you check out my website if you do want to go further on this topic. And otherwise, I will see you next week. Thank you.